Hey, in this episode, we're going to talk about OpenAI announcements, uh, a dev who created an entire web game using ChatGPT, and creating UI components with AI. So the talk of the town, OpenAI had their first developer conference, and Sam Altman announced a GPT store, essentially a way to create custom AI bots and share them on the OpenAI platform. So you might have a GPT that's uh, specifically a writing coach or a math mentor or a sous chef uh, that focus on individual areas of expertise. They also announced a whole range of new features and what better way to summarize it than by using their own tool. I cracked open ChatGPT4 and typed in, what did Sam Altman announce at the OpenAI Dev Day? I got uh, a loading indicator and it told me that it was searching Bing and then it found a decrypt article and then I got the result. At OpenAI's first dev day, CEO Sam Altman announced several significant updates to OpenAI's suite of AI models and tools. One, GPT-4 Turbo, a more capable version of GPT-4, which has a 128K context window, updated knowledge up to April 2023, and lower costs for inputs and outputs. It can understand up to 128K tokens of context, equivalent to around 300 pages of a book. 2. ChatGPT Enhancements GPT-4 Turbo is included in ChatGPT, which now doesn't require users to select specific models for tasks as the AI will determine what is needed automatically. I was able to uh, see this in action myself uh, when it automatically browsed the web for me, uh, and that experience was very smooth. They've got the UI uh, ticking along very nicely now. 3. Assistance API. A new API was introduced that features more human-like speech patterns and text-to-speech capabilities with various voice options. It can also interact with real-time data once connected to the internet. 4. No-code development. OpenAI is enabling developers to build with GPT by simply having a conversation, aiming to make AI development more accessible to those without coding skills. And 5. Copyright Shield an initiative designed to protect developers from copyright infringement claims. These features are part of OpenAI's ongoing efforts to create smarter, more customizable, and more accessible AI tools. There you go. And I noticed that they've now added a little disclaimer at the bottom of the input field that says, ChatGPT can make mistakes. Consider checking important information. <laughs> Very good. As you can see, ChatGPT no longer is limited to information from 2021, and the above UI uh, told me how it browsed the web or via the UI. Um, so this is no longer a separate feature like it was a few months ago. It's now integrated into the main product seamlessly. You can compare this summary with uh, the coverage over at TechCrunch or The Verge. And you can watch the whole keynote on YouTube. You can grab all the links in the corresponding blog post for this podcast, which is in the description. Javi Lopez has been posting some pretty impressive stuff on X around AI. First, he used ChatGPT to create a web game, Angry Pumpkins, 
that's inspired by Halloween and the popular iOS game Angry Birds. So um, you can have a look at it uh, at, I'll just grab the URL here. It's uh, bestaiprompts.art slash angry hyphen pumpkins. So have a play with the game yourself. Uh, it's obviously very Angry Birds-like, but uh, he's got a whole thread on X about how he uh, created the sprites. And obviously he had to uh, do some back and forth with ChatGBT, but it was quite... Um, quite easy because now you've got the um, the image side of things included in ChatGPT, so you can just go back and forth uh, creating sprites. Um, so he ended up using a combination of Midjourney and Dali for the graphics and yeah, used GPT-4 for all the coding. Uh, so he'd notice a bug and then he'd say, oh, hey, this... Um, this doesn't seem to be working properly. Can you fix this? And then it would give him some new code and he'd iterate like that. So it's not like you get the whole thing in one go. It's still iterative development. And you have to know uh, what conversation to have, um, which I think is quite interesting because it's a different way of developing. But that's not all he's been doing. Uh, he posted another amazing uh, image of a huge Lego building uh, created with AI. And if you look at the details, you can see, you know, clear imperfections and, uh, you know, weird Lego characters. But the whole thing fits together quite cohesively. And, uh, you know, I think in general, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Some other interesting AI stuff. Um, Google uh, reportedly backs Anthropic with $2 billion. Uh, so a little bit of a, an AI proxy war here to um, you know compete with OpenAI. There's also a product called Ash, which is a pocket AI nature guide for kids inspired by Ash's Pokedex. It helps children connect with and learn about the biodiversity around them. I thought that was quite cool. Now, Apple released a whole bunch of new processes, the M3 and Mac lineup uh, on Halloween. And one of the details that they dropped at the end of the keynote was that the entire thing was shot on an iPhone 15 Pro Max, which is pretty cool. So the, you can view on the Apple Newsroom, uh, you know, examples of how they actually did it, a short little video about that. And obviously they're using, you know, professional gear and lights and, um, you know, external monitors uh, with the iPhone and um, connecting uh, via the USB-C port to the iPhone to, you know, immediately get the, get the footage off and run it through, uh, industry standard software and, and all that kind of jazz, but it's still pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, they mounted it to a drone as well to get some drone shots. Uh, and it's all using the new Apple log capabilities, which uh, allow you more 
fine control when color grading the video uh, to give it you know that cinematic feel so yeah if you're interested in that at all I recommend looking at their behind the scenes video because um you know I think that's it's a pretty amazing ad for your for your product really there's also an interesting um, post on LinkedIn about fashion um, where at first glance the collection may have seemed like a simple array of white garments but they um, were able to have color changing fabrics uh, so yeah check check that out as well so on to some dev stuff I went to a web development conference recently, Web Direction Summit, and there's a really interesting talk by Alex Russell, who is a Microsoft Edge browser engineer and previously worked on Chrome as well. And he was talking about the market for lemons, uh, how um, they converted to React uh, on a number of key Microsoft web apps and it actually slowed the performance down by half uh, so he's talking about how we should really try to err more on the side of progressive enhancement uh, if possible rather than relying on frameworks like react uh, and he's even saying like you know preact and svelte uh, you know way way better in terms of performance than than React, which is something we, we already knew. But uh, when you consider the fact that a lot of uh, developers have really fast Macs and iPhones, uh, which are not typical of the broad user base, you know, performance becomes really key because a lot of people browsing these sites are, you know, on maybe low GPU Android devices, for example. And that's slower to parse and execute the JavaScript. And the whole catch with React is that you have to download and parse all of the JavaScript before you can actually start rendering stuff. And he's uh, very against CSS in JS, again, for this reason. When you uh, load it uh, on the page, the browser can start processing it immediately. Obviously, if it's all baked into the JS, you have to evaluate the JS before any of that happens. So check out his blog. Uh, it's infrequently.org. And uh, you can find that article there. It's uh, it's quite an interesting read. I also came across a clamp CSS function where you can um, clamp a middle value within a range of values between a defined minimum bound and a maximum bound. So for example, font size. So check out that on Mozilla Developer Network for more of an explanation of that. Uh, Vercel have released a new typeface called Geist. Uh, it's kind of like a minimalist font. It's a really interesting article out there, the beauty of Finnish software, uh, talking about how there's this tendency to kind of always add new stuff and want to add new stuff to products. 
whereas uh, George R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones, actually really likes WordStar 4.0, which is a popular WordPress for the early 80s. Uh, and he likes it because it's just exactly what he needs and nothing more. And, you know, maybe we should not be constantly adding new stuff to software and uh, arrive at a point where we're like, that is all that's needed for this particular good product. There's another interesting article uh, by Dave Rupert on uh, So You've Been Publicly Accessibility Shamed. Uh, so you can read that on daverupert.com. And, um, yeah, a bit more of a dive into accessibility there. There's a really interesting example floating around on X uh, about an AI tool that uses your design system to create new components along with all of the code. Uh, so you can check that out at uh, x.com slash read underscore design. And there's a new core vital metric uh, for web performance and that's interaction to next paint. So go across to web.dev slash articles slash INP to learn more about that. It's a really detailed write up there. I also saw a really interesting uh, 3JS demo uh, that was also created with Blender um, of a guy who talked at a WWW Awards. Uh, so you can check that out uh, at the x.com slash kmkota0 account. Also a guy called Savio. And uh, he's got some really interesting animations where um, the, it's linked to the cursor. So as you drag stuff around or, or move the cursor around on the page, the 3D object actually moves around in response to that. And something that I keep coming across and then forgetting again is uh, that you can turn any website into an editable, <laughs> not an editable, uh, editable canvas uh, with just a simple command in the JavaScript console, document.designmode equals on. Uh, so this has been around for a while and is used by plenty of uh, WYSIWYG tools. But yeah, it allows everything in the dorm to be editable just by um, from your browser without actually having to edit DOM nodes in the um, in the DOM tree you can have a bit of a, a visual editing experience and change text on the web page and stuff like that which is always quite cool when you're prototyping all right well that's a wrap see you next time